Amen and amen. I want us to take a moment, if we could, right there in your pews, there's a slip of paper that has uh, prayer needs on it uh, from this week. And if you look around, there's some folks missing. I was joking with some folks earlier that uh, somebody just came and took the entire Brown family out. Um, and uh, as you notice, that takes up a lot of that side, right? Um, but uh, we, we, we have folks around us that are uh, ill and, uh, and recovering. Um, and so I ask that you would spend some time in prayer this morning for them. Um, a personal request just from my heart. Um, my Uncle Danny passed away Wednesday evening. And uh, he had been battling cancer for uh, a little over a year. And uh, the Lord called him home. And so if you could be in prayer for our family, the uh, funeral services will be uh, Tuesday. Uh, my Uncle Danny was a believer. And uh, we, we rest and trust in the hope uh, that Christ has given us. But... Uh, at the same time, uh, loss is never, a, uh, never an easy task. And so be praying for um, our family. Be praying for my dad. My dad will be doing the funeral um, on Tuesday. And so uh, pray that uh, Christ is exalted and that God is glorified. So let's spend just a couple moments before we open up God's word in prayer. God, you are indeed good. And it is not because of what you do for us, not because of what you've promised us, not because of anything other than the fact that you are simply good. And God, what a great security we have in that. To know that our God is good, to know that his word says that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God, I pray that you would bring your goodness about. God, that the character that you possess would be manifested in these prayer requests that we have lifted up. That the goodness of God would be what people talk about. When we talk about the illnesses that are going on in our homes and in our families, when we talk about the loss of loved ones, when we talk about upcoming surgeries and those that have happened in the last couple of weeks, as we talk about broken relationships, as we talk about people who need to come out of the brokenness and darkness of sin into the light and love of Jesus Christ, God, we ask that your goodness would just be made manifest in those situations. We trust you with that and we give you the glory in that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are in the middle of a series called The Keys to Relationships. This month, by the way, Shannon, thank you so much for the reminder. It's Valentine's Day this week. And so that puts more pressure on husbands than I think it does. Wife, I heard an interesting stat this week um, that the average money that a husband spends on his wife is about $100 for Valentine's Day, yet the average money that a wife spends on her husband is only about 60 And so I'm just calling for gender equality. That's all I want is gender equality. Um, I mean, there's people talking about it all over the place. I just think that that should be the case, right? 
Um, but the reality is, is that when it comes to relationships, we celebrate things like Valentine's Day. We celebrate things like anniversaries. We celebrate times in our life that mark relationships. Every birthday that you have marks relationship. By the way, thank you so much for those of you that wrote cards and brought me donuts. Listen, by the way, if you ever need to know what to get your pastor, food is always a good choice. Okay? Um, thank you so much for uh, making me feel loved on my birthday uh, this week. And uh, as an extension from our staff, because uh, Melissa's birthday was last Sunday, uh, thank you so much uh, for the way that you pour out love on us um, and care about us. And uh, we just greatly, greatly enjoy uh, getting to be a part of this body. But we have times in our relationships that are special. Last week we talked about talking and communication, um, and I would encourage you that if you missed last week, please go online and listen to that message, um, not just for the marriage and dating relationship, but for all relationships, communication is key, and so we need to make sure we pay very good attention to the things that are coming out of our mouth and the heart from which they come, but today I want to talk to you about something that is part of all relationships, and that's time. You see, not only is communication one of the keys to relationships, but time is a key to relationships. Relationships cannot exist without some form of time. Think about it. Even acquaintances that you have, that's a form of a relationship, that requires time. At least you've met them at some point. At least you've followed them on Instagram or liked everything they post on Facebook, you have some acquaintances that it requires time. To have a relationship with your children, it requires time. Sometimes too much. I'm kidding. When you have relationships with those that you are dating, if you're single here, or when you have a relationship with a spouse in your marriage, it requires time. I think it's interesting that we live in a society, I think it's ironic that we live in a culture that has to go and go and go pursuing Selfish things, pursuing jobs, pursuing dreams and aspirations. That same culture is the culture we live in that sees relationships as minimal. That sees the marriage relationship specifically as unnecessary. As the way that God designed it. And it all comes down to a lack of time. For the relationship. No matter who you are in this room this morning, you are in a relationship that requires time. Right now, you are in a relationship as pastor and pew sitter that requires time. And I have you hostage for the next 30 minutes. No, I'm kidding. 
By the way, I'm putting my watch up here just because it's uncomfortable. This isn't the old joke about, you know, pastor put his watch up there. What does it mean? Absolutely nothing. That's not this, okay? I'm just putting that up there because it was uncomfortable. But relationships require time. And so we're going to go back to Proverbs chapter 18, where we're, we're going to spend last week and this week and the next couple weeks. We're going to go back to Proverbs chapter 18. A man who had a lot of time on his hands. The great King Solomon. And as he would discuss with us, he would tell us the importance of time in a relationship. Proverbs chapter 18 is full of relationship cues. And the cue to have time committed in a relationship is definitely found within. I want to just start with Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 2. I'm only going to read a couple verses out of Proverbs this morning. And I want to start with verse 2. If you would, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 18 verse 2. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. Verse 9. The one who is lazy in his work is brother to a vandal. Verse 11 and 12. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city. In his imagination, it is like a high wall. Before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Verse 15. The mind of the discerning acquires knowledge. And the ear of the wise seeks it. And finally, verse 22. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You may be seated. A group of women were at a seminar on how to live in a loving relationship with their husbands. By the way, speaking of seminars for women, if... You have not, if you are a woman here and you have not signed up for the women's conference in April, there's sign-up sheets in the back. You can speak to Melissa or Lindsay or Dee about that. I would highly encourage you to go. Husbands, listen. I would highly encourage you to invest in your wife going on this trip. It is something that is important for her, but it is something that is important for your relationship as well. Okay? So you can manage the house for 24 hours while she's gone, okay? I promise. And if you need help, call Nate, all right? But listen, there was a group of women at a seminar on how to live in loving relationships with their husbands. And the women were asked, how many of you love your husband? And I would ask the same question. How many of you love your husband? If they're sitting next to you, your hand should probably be up. They asked that question, and like in here, all the women raised their hands. And then they were asked, when was the last time that you told your husband you loved him? And some women answered today, some answered yesterday, and a few answered that they couldn't remember the last time. Which, that's not good. It either means that you are losing your memory or you don't tell your husband You love him enough. 
But the women then were told to take out their cell phones and to text their husbands, I love you, sweetheart. And next, the women were instructed to pass their phone to the woman to their right. And the women to their right would read the responses that would come. And I'm going to give you some of the most common responses to that question as a wife text her husband, I love you. And maybe you can relate. The first one that came out often was, who is this? They also said, are you sick or what? <laughs> this is my favorite because this, I, it just hits home. Yeah, I love you too. What did I do wrong? Another one was, please tell me you didn't wreck the car again. One of my favorites that I read as I was reading through these was, I don't understand what you mean. Husbands, don't write that back, by the way. This is kind of a give and take. What did you do now? That's a common one. And by the way, that when your children text you, I love you, mom, or I love you, dad, that's a good follow-up question. <laughs> my favorite on, on, on the scale of money was, don't beat around the bush. Just tell me how much you need. When a wife texts a husband, one of the answers that came back when she texts, I love you, was, if you don't tell me who this message is actually for, someone will die. <laughs> Another one was, I thought you said you wouldn't drink during the day. And, and possibly one of my favorites, because I also relate to this one, is that a lot of responses came back as, your mother is coming to stay with us, isn't she? You see, just in the simple words, I love you, a lot of things come out that have to do with time. To say I love you is... A simple phrase, but it requires time. To be in any relationship requires time. And what does time require? Well, that's what King Solomon, when he is discussing in Proverbs 18 relationships, that's what he got to the heart of. Relationships require time, we know that, but what does time require of us? And so we're going to look to the Scripture to find it. The first thing that time requires of us is time requires work. Time requires work. Some of you I may have lost already. But in order to have the time in our relationships that is necessary, it requires work, effort, investment, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. In verse 2, he begins by stating that, listen, if you're going to put work into this relationship, you have to understand that you can't just put your own stuff out there. That in order to put in the work, you're going to have to be able to give and take. 
fool doesn't delight in understanding but only wants to show off his opinions. My favorite illustration of that very principle is this. A man had six children and was very proud of his achievement to have six children. And he was so proud of himself that he started calling his wife mother of six in spite of her objections to it. One night, they went to a party, and the man decided that it was time to go home. And so, proud of his newfound title for his wife, he needed to find out if she was ready to leave as well. And so, he shouted at the top of his voice, Shall we go home, mother of six? His wife, greatly irritated by her husband's new pet name for her, and his lack of discretion shouted back, Anytime you're ready, father of four. <laughs> if we are going to put the time into our relationships, we have to. We have to work at it in a way that is mutual. If we're going to have healthy relationships, relationships that we hold the keys to and that glorify God, we have to understand the give and take that is required, the work, the deep work that is required. We have to make sure that we are equally and mutually investing into a relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship where it seemed like you were the only one putting in? That is hard, isn't it? Gosh, it's difficult. What happens is, is at the end of the day, you look down at your checkbook and there's no money left because you've put all of it in. You look down at your time that you wanted to spend on maybe your hobbies or spend on maybe work or maybe spend with your own family and you look at this relationship and it has sucked you dry from all the days in your life and you look down at all the emotion that you've invested, the times that you've spent crying, the times that you've spent praying, the times that you have spent frustrated and just mind going crazy over this relationship. And yet it seems like the other person just doesn't even care. You see, time requires work. Mutual work. In verse 9, he says, The one who is lazy in his work is brother to a vandal. Laziness steals the time of your relationship. I know there's many in this room who have indeed lost a spouse. Whether it be through natural causes, whether it be through an accident, whether it be through sin, whether it be because of divorce, whatever it may be, we lose those relationships, and all we want back in those is time. You see, when we don't invest, when we don't put the work in, we steal the time out of our relationships. One of the best examples that we have today in modern society is this thing right here. How much time have I stolen from my wife? Because I was scrolling through a news feed. How much time have I stolen from my children because I had to return an email? Guys, listen. If we're going to put in the work, we need to heed the words of Solomon. 
that laziness in the relationship, laziness in the relationship steals time out of it. Verse 15, he says, the mind of the discerning acquires knowledge in the ear of the wise seeks it. This involves putting in work, listening. Wives, don't elbow your husbands right now. I thought this was funny that I I was planning on preaching this, and yesterday, Lindsay and I had a couple different conversations where I just, I heard her, but I didn't hear her. You You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You know, like where she says something and you respond and then like you don't do what she said or you don't remember what she said. Been there. Confession time. It happens in relationships all the time. We're not wise because we don't listen. The ear of the wise seeks it. We don't listen. Another great example of this that I've heard is that a man asked his wife what she would like for her birthday. And she said, I'd love to be six again. And so on the morning of her birthday, he got her up bright and early and they headed off and went to a local theme park. And what a day they had. He put her on every ride in the park. The death slide, the screaming loop, the wall of fear, all of it. It was a great time. And then five hours later, as she staggered out of the theme park, he loaded her up and took her to McDonald's and got her a Happy Meal with the toy. And then after that, they headed off to a movie and they watched the latest cartoon flick. And they ate hot dogs and popcorn and Pepsi or Coke. If you're a holy person. And M&M's. Gosh, what a great adventure they had. And Finally, she wobbled home with her husband and she collapsed into bed. He leaned over her and he lovingly asked, Sweetheart, what was it like being six again? And with one eye open, she said, You idiot, I meant my dress size. It's important to put in the work to listen in our relationships. We have to put an ear to what is happening in our relationships. And that requires effort on our part. And it requires time. Don't ever be too busy to talk to those in relationship with you. And by the way, this goes back to our relationship with Christ as well. key to a good relationship is putting in the effort and the time. And a lot of us barely get by with five minutes of prayer a day. We wonder why our relationships with God and with those around us, we wonder why they're not working like they ought to. It's because we're not putting in the time that we ought to. And time requires work. Secondly, Time requires selflessness. 
Time requires selflessness. Look at verse 11 and 12 of Proverbs 18. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city, and his imagination is like a high wall. Before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. The man who had 700 wives understood that in the relationships, he couldn't be selfish with his time. The king of Israel decided he couldn't be selfish with his time. I don't care who you are, what you do, how important you think that you are. If you're going to put time into relationships, it's going to require some selflessness. Putting yourself aside. It's going to require sharing. It's going to require compromise. It's going to require submission. And not just the biblical sense of submission as if the wife is the only one that has to do it. Goodness gracious, husbands, we need to submit some of our selfishness as well. You see, in order to put in the time in relationships, we're going to have to understand that we're going to have to put some of ourself aside. We're going to have to understand that there's things that I may want to do, but I need to put those aside for what my relationship needs. It's about sharing. There's an old man who placed an order for one hamburger French fries and a drink. He unwrapped the plain hamburger and carefully cut it in half, placing one half over in front of his wife across the table from him. And he took the fries and he meticulously counted out the fries and split them up evenly between his, him and his wife. He took a sip of the drink and Gave it over to his wife and she took a sip and then sat the cup between them. And as he began to eat a few bites of the hamburger, the people around them began to look and wonder what was happening. They were thinking that this poor old couple probably didn't even have enough money to get both of them something to eat. And as the man began to eat his fries, a young man came to the table and politely offered to buy another meal for the wife sitting across the table. The old man said, we're just fine. And they were used to sharing everything. And people closer to the table noticed the little old lady hadn't eaten a bite yet. She sat there watching her husband eat and occasionally taking turns sipping the drink. And again, the young man came over and begged them to let him buy another meal for them. And this time, the old woman said, no, thank you. We are used to sharing everything. Finally, as the old man finished and was wiping his face neatly with the napkin, the young man again came over, just overwhelmed this time. And he asked the little old lady who had yet to eat a single bite what are you waiting for? To which she replied, I'm waiting for the teeth. (laughs) 
You see, the reality is, is that when we're in relationships, we have to learn to share. And that means we have to learn to share our time. We have to learn how to make sure that in our relationship, again, there is equality of the time. Now, one of the best things that can happen in your relationship is that you are so compatible that you and your spouse or your boyfriend and girlfriend, you are loving the same stuff. You like the same movies. You like the same sports. You like the same events. You like the same foods. You like all those things. That's important. That's cool. That's awesome. But we know that ain't the case in most relationships, right? Some of us really like to watch Marvel movies, whereas our wife does not. I'm, hey, I'm getting to more, so calm down. Some of us love to watch Star Wars movies, and our spouse does not. Some of us like sushi. And our spouse does not. Some of us love to go sit and watch a baseball game. And our spouse does not. Some of us love to watch cooking shows. And our spouse does not. Some of us love entertaining friends and having people over. And our spouse does not. Some of us love to go to the movies. And our spouse does not. Some of us love to go and participate in things like golf or tennis. And our spouse does not. And when we look at that, the dynamic of the relationship requires that we share time. But we are not compatible in all the things that take a lot of time. And what I want to tell you this morning is that you will be gratified in your relationship far more. If you will be a little more selfless in those things. Gentlemen, your wife does not have to enjoy every event that you like. Ladies, your husband does not have to enjoy every food that you like. There are times when maybe you can experience that alone. But there are plenty of times that you're going to have to compromise, put yourself aside, and come halfway in the relationship. And that's going to require time which requires work, which requires selflessness. And finally, the last thing is this. And you may say, DJ, that's the most redundant thing you've said this morning, and you would probably be right. Time requires time. Time requires time. Look at verse 22. It's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Husband, I want you to understand something right now. The only favor that you have from the Lord that is extra is because you have a wife. Wife, don't hold that over him. 
A man who finds a wife finds a good thing. I want you to understand something. In order to find something, it takes time. I don't know how many broken relationships could have been fixed by a little more time spent searching on the front end. You see, to come into relationship requires time. It requires deep commitment. It requires something that is deeper than just something that we give everybody else. To come into relationship means that we are giving up time to search for that in order to give up time to enjoy it. Time requires time. What are you spending your time on? Miss Moynihan came into the newspaper to pay for her husband's obituary, and she was told by the kind newsman that it was a dollar per word. And he remembered her husband, Pete. And it was certainly too bad that Pete had passed away, and she thanked him for his kind words, and she bemoaned the fact that she only had two dollars with her. But she wrote out the obituary. Pete died. The newsman said he thought that his old buddy Pete deserved more and said he would give her three more words at no charge. To which she replied, Thank you. Put on his obituary. Pete died. Boat for sale. I bet Pete spent a lot of time a lot of time on his boat. But it brings to light what Solomon's talking about here. A man who finds a wife. A man who spends the time to find a wife finds favor with the Lord. And I'm curious in your relationships. Husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, Dear friends, I'm curious in your relationship. What gets the most time? Is it the golf course? Is it Facebook? Is it Netflix? Is it time spent at work? Is it time spent... With the TV on, is it time spent running here and there trying to fill some American dream? Where's your time at in your relationships? If they had five words for you, would they say, DJ died. Golf clubs for sale. If they had time, put your name in there. Such and such died. 
this is for sale. I got to be honest with you. I'm going to close with this. The last thing that I want is to get to the other side of eternity and for God to tell me you spent too much time on this instead of on relationships. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to spend some time at the altar this morning, you're more than welcome. If you need to pray with someone or converse with someone, we, we have deacons and we have staff members available up front for you to do so. But right there where you're at, in this moment of response, I want to ask you that question. If you were to die today, if you were to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ face to face for all eternity starting today, and as the Bible tells us, we're going to sit at the judgment. Yes, even those of us who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, we're going to sit at the judgment and every word that we've ever said is going to be accounted for. Everything that we've ever done is going to be accounted for. What is going to have the most of our time? Is it going to be our relationship with Jesus? Is it going to be our relationship with our family? Is it going to be our relationship with lost people? Leading them, sharing with them, showing them Jesus Christ? Or is it going to be most of our time was spent on our boat? Most of our time was spent looking down at our phone. Most of our time was spent watching a TV on a golf course in a sports arena. As a way of response, I want you to think about what holds the most of your time. For some of us today, we need to repent of the time that we have spent on things other than relationships around us. Husbands, we need to repent of the times that we have spent selfishly and lazily putting the time with our wife aside Wives, maybe you need to repent this morning of the times that you have just held on to something maybe something that you have decided you're not going to give time parents maybe we need to repent of the times that we have brushed aside our children focused on something else I believe for all of us there's a moment of repentance this morning myself included time is a key to a relationship how are you using that time in your relationships 
to pray. We're going to sing a verse or two. As I said, this altar is open if you want to come. We've got deacons down here, men of God that are willing to pray with you, pray over you. But maybe you just need to sit right there and just offer up to the Lord, I'm sorry for taking time to myself in all the wrong ways and not giving time to my relationships, not giving time to the relationship that you have with Christ. And speaking of that relationship, we're only given so much time on this earth. And God over and over again wants us to come into relationship with Him. And if you're here this morning and you haven't, I don't know how much time you have left. But a wise man seeks. One who finds favor with the Lord seeks out that relationship. You can do that this morning by coming and taking one of these men by the hand and saying, I want to be saved. When I'm done praying, I want you to stand and I want you to move. However God would have you. Husbands, wives, maybe you need to come together to this altar and spend some time praying. Committing time to one another. Maybe you need to grab your children and bring them. How? Praying God would lead you in your response. Father, we thank you. Thank you that your word is heavy to us. God, we thank you that you are good in it. To call us out of the mundane and the dark and the worldly and the sinful and call us to repentance. God, I pray that today you would move our hearts in how we have taken time from our relationships. Help us to reinvest our time wisely towards the relationships that we have with our fellow man and with you. We ask you to move in our hearts now and it's in your name I pray. Amen.